And I went to Peru and in Cusco, we were building a school for these impoverished kids. And there were these three little kids that I adopted. Um, and I went to their home to find that there were three pieces of carrot that the kids could not eat. There were tiny baby carrots that were lying on their muddy floor. And when I asked what that was for, they said it was for the guinea pig so that the guinea pig could be slaughtered or sold and it, it was a delicacy and that would have fetched them five dollars oh my goodness that made me realize how much i actually had mm -hmm. even though i was bankrupt they say that life is full of opportunities right so why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome everyone to our show today. We have a awesome guest that I know you guys are going to really feel her story today. She has a amazing story that she's going to share with us here in just a little bit. I'm going to introduce who she is. So today we have Tri Tripta Bekovich. Is that right? Did I say it right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Yay. So Tripta is actually... Um, she's going to share with us a little bit about her backstory, but I'm going to tell you just a little bit. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her backstory too. So <laughs> after 16 years of secretly living with someone else, Tripta realized that only she could change her situation. She began to seek out different kinds of supports to help her make sense of the chaos and the hurts in her life. Hundreds of hours of healing modalities, coaching, um, studies, it looks like psyches and lots of things that you kind of did to get through that. And it took eight long years for you to kind of work through that process. So Tripta, tell us a little more about what actually were you going through back then? What was your circumstance? And welcome to the show today. Thank you, thanks Donna. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's 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 sixteen years of abuse, is what I went through. Um, I'm Indian by origin, mm -hmm. so when I married my husband, it was not an arranged marriage. It was somebody I fell in love with, or I thought I'd fallen in love with, and we got married. Um, and there was abuse from the very beginning. It started with his mother who is a narcissist. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, I did not realize that he was a narcissist too. So the first learning was that um, 
a woman can abuse another woman so horrifically that it is actually unfathomable. And then that was, shall I say, the kicker in that situation was the fact that my narcissist as well, and he was a malignant, or he is a malignant narcissist. Um, I went through sexual abuse. I went through physical abuse. I went through financial abuse. I was gaslighting galore. So emo emotional abuse, like you wouldn't believe. Um, wow. so, and I took that for 16 years. Um, and finally, in 2008, I had reached a point where I'd had enough. He had had multiple affairs and everything was my fault. Um, I was the one who was after money when I was the only one who was actually bringing in the money in the family. Um, so yeah, it was, there was abuse of all sorts that was going on. Wow. So now is all this abuse, now you did say the mother-in-law too, but the abuse you just talked about, was that from actually all from him? Him and her. So there would be situations where uh, she would start an argument with me uh, out of literally thin air and he would just hear her raised voice and then come in and beat me when she'd be pacing up and down outside our bedroom door whilst I was being thrashed. Oh, um, so yeah, it, it was difficult. It was more than beyond difficult actually. It was. I, I cannot even imagine. I was in a long marriage as well, and it was also very verbally abusive, but nothing like being beat like that. I just, I cannot even imagine how that would be. So what was going through your mind? Like you endured this for 16 years. Tell us why you stayed as long as you did. Now I know that's usually a pattern, but yeah, what what was what was keeping you there? You know, we we tell ourselves so many stories, so many stories of why we stay. Oh, this will pass. Maybe I did something wrong. I don't have the money. I don't have the ability. What will somebody else say? This marriage was a chosen. For me, as I said, being Indian, I fought with my family to marry this man. Um, so there was the shame attached to the fact that I was wrong uh, when my parents had all along said that this is not a match for you. There was shame, there was guilt, there was shame of the fact that how do I tell people outside that I lead actually such a painful life? Mm -hmm. um, I've been an organizational development consultant my entire career. I've been a successful coach where I would be walking into boardrooms and, you know, conducting meetings with the highest, you know, echelons of the corporate ladder. And to then admit that actually my personal life is quite mm -hmm. shameful. It's mm -hmm. quite pitiful. Um, the dichotomy and the contrast was mm. too much. It was yeah. too much for me to bridge. I, I can totally understand. I know that a lot of women in situations like that, they do tend to think that there's not 
any way out, you know, like, like you said, where would I live? What would I do? And then you look at the shame and, you know, you have your background. So there are a lot of those things that do kind of hold us there in that moment. And you finally got up the courage though. It sounds like you were a very powerful, strong woman and had a <laughs> 16 uh, years, dude. Yeah, yes, 16 man, but... years of enduring that. Yeah. So at that point, you actually then were able to get yourself out of that situation. So take us there where you decided that you were going to leave and kind of what happened at that point. Oh, that was, yeah, 2008, just before the crash. Mm. So it had gotten to a point where we were just returning from a family holiday with our two boys. And it was during the holiday that uh, my ex-husband told me that he was going to leave us in the middle of a trailer park and go and find out about his film school that he was going to go and attend in Italy. Uh, and I was like, okay, so we'll come with you. And he was like, nope you're not coming with us, coming with me. So I'm like, we're here on a holiday. Well, I've got AIDS and I might die. So I am going to go and check out the school all by myself. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I was like, you what? You've got AIDS? And how... Oh, I had unprotected sex on, on a train. Um, and he narrated, he, he, he took me back to an incident where I suspected he was having an affair. And he had obviously lied his way through that. But at, by that time, I was just so done with the lies, the constant mm. lies. Um, what, by the time we came back, uh, we were in Dubai at the time. And uh, so by the time we came back uh, and I found out that A, he didn't have AIDS, B, he was having yet another affair. And he was actually um, in my, bought a ticket for this uh, woman to come down to Dubai and spend the Eid holidays around us uh, at that time. Goodness. that was I was yeah and that was the fourth affair that I knew of and I was just so done I was yeah. so done I packed his bags put them outside and yeah basically told him to get out all right so then at that point he leaves you obviously you have a job you were supporting the family yeah so um what how did you handle though that with your son and being able to take care of a, a child by yourself. And then you've, you've propelled, you've done some really amazing things in your life. So you really had to work through that, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we had two boys at the time. They were nine and 11. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I made very clear to him, I said, whatever happens in our relationship, you will always be the father for the boys and I would always be their mother. And I, I'd heard so many horror stories of how relationships fall apart and then children become a source of tug of war. And that's something that I just didn't want for my boys. Um, so I made it very clear that whilst I would maintain custody of the boys, he would always be their father and I would encourage him to shape up as a parent and continue being a father to them. And that we should both sit down and 
tell the boys that we love them and but we're going to go our separate ways he resisted that initially I said fine if you don't want to say that I said I will let them know and I would also let them know that you didn't want to sit here and let them know mm-hmm. and that you know I said okay I will sit down and you know talk to the boys and we can do this together but we mm-hmm. had that conversation as I said this was September of 2008 and then he mm-hmm. left the country um and he would come and visit as and when he wanted. I went, we went through the global crisis. I went bankrupt. I used to run my own company. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, I took on his personal debt to actually get him out of my life. And not only did I take on that debt, uh, the financial crisis, the global crisis at the time, uh, bad debts from my customers, from my clients. I had my accountant who decided to run off with some money as well so yeah it was it was interesting times Mm, very interesting times so I I know that you said it took you about eight years to really work through a lot of that so now we're at probably about 2018 oh that's 10 years so about 2016 so what kind of things were you having to work through during that time? I mean, you said you really had to work on you. So tell us, take us through that, because I know there's probably some women that are in your same situation and they're thinking about leaving too, and they don't even know where to start. So what were some of the things you did to, to get, dig out of where you were that kind of, you know, self, pity hole, I guess. I don't, I don't want to say pity, but you know what I mean? You were in a deep, dark hole and you needed to pull yourself out of there. It it is a deep, deep, dark hole. And there are so many times that I would think during that time, oh, maybe if, maybe he's learned his lesson and maybe we should get back together. And that question did come up. Mm-hmm. But I had sworn to myself that I wouldn't go back there because after four affairs and forgiving him over the years of those four affairs and all the abuse, oh, I won't, it won't happen again. This, this time around, I knew it was, it was for good. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a Reiki practitioner whilst my boys were born and growing up and I brought them up on Reiki. But it's amazing how abuse actually takes away even some of these healing modalities that you might be familiar with, uh, how it takes away everything from you, everything. Uh, It takes away your your time, it takes away your interest, it takes away your self-worth. So I had been stripped off, I think practically, everything that I might have considered my own, including my self-image, with the exception of me being an OD consultant and a coach and a human development or a leadership development expert in organizations. That was one place that I had a name that he couldn't touch. Mm. And that really bothered him. So I took, found my strength in that. But I also had situations where I would have my best friend tell me when all I wanted to do was cry. And she was like, oh, come on, Tripta, you've got balls of steel. And I'm like, I don't have balls. Leave alone of steel. I just want a hug. That's all I want. And there was, there was no one there. 
And if I, if I ever said to anybody that this is what I was going through and they were like, really? You're not that kind of person. You would never put up with it. But I did. Mm -hmm. There was a persona that I had created for myself. That was my defense mechanism of dealing with the situation where I was this brazen, outspoken, loud, aggressive person on the outside who didn't have a leg to stand on in our own family. So I went back into Reiki. I started looking at something known as theta healing. I did access consciousness, had my bars run and ran bars for I don't know how many people. Um, I started finding out what my hobbies might be. So, you know, all that time that I now had to myself because I didn't have a narcissist to molly coddle or try and live up to his expectations of endless expectations mm -hmm. um, that I actually needed. I had time for a hobby. I had time for me. I had time to read a book, but I didn't know what book I wanted to read. So I started uh, taking classes like sculpting. I used to sculpt when I was in school, but I found that I didn't enjoy that anymore. So I tried my hand at finding out what I enjoyed now, you know, after all this had gone on in my life. And I finally, it took me a year to find that I really enjoyed hiking. And um, I also found that in 2009, when I did my first hike in, in which was known as the Lari's Trek, and I did it with an organization in Dubai called Gulf for Good, which was a charity for children. Um, and I went to Peru and in Cusco, we were building a school for these impoverished kids. And there were these three little kids that I adopted. Um, and I went to their home to find that there were three pieces of carrot that the kids could not eat. There were tiny baby carrots that were lying on their muddy floor. And when I asked what that was for, they said it was for the guinea pig so that the guinea pig could be slaughtered or sold and it, it was a delicacy and that would have fetched them five dollars. Oh my goodness. That made wow. me realize how much I actually had mm -hmm. even though I was bankrupt but I had when I saw these kids that you can call it philanthropy but that need to provide uh, uh, for somebody and then look at my own life to say, come on, yes, you've been through abuse, but you know what? Life could be so much worse. You have so much. You have so much to give. You have so much to enjoy. And you have two healthy boys that you can raise. That trip yeah. to me was a life-changing trip. Absolutely. I can't even imagine. But, you know, when you are turning away from you, in your situation and you turn to help somebody else. And like you said, you're looking at what's your life is so much better than those poor little kids were. That is the best way to heal. And I love that you had this experience and I don't think that's by chance. I think no. we have experiences for us so that we can learn and grow. So you went there, you decided, oh my goodness, I need to do something to help these children. Or was that just kind of your aha to feel like I have a life, I do have things and, and go from there. So, well, I, I joined Gulf for Good 
uh, as an organization to do the trek, the Lari's trek. And one of the things that we have to do was to raise a certain amount of money to help out this school in Lashian, in, in not Lashian, sorry, in Cusco. Mm -hmm. um, and we went there to actually help build the school and build toilets. And whilst we were doing that, I saw these three kids. I mean, there were many, but these three siblings, um, and I have photographs with them that I hold so dear to me. Their oldest sister was the one taking care of the two of them, whilst their mother was an alcoholic. The father was away in the city and not being able to send money back. And that young girl, a nine-year-old girl, was taking care of her two younger siblings. One was six, but looked like a two-year-old. Oh it was goodness. so malnutritioned and you know it's yeah so that whilst I wanted to do be philanthropic and I wanted to you know go run away from my pain that was when I started the trip I was running away from my pain mm -hmm. by the time I finished that trip I was in so much appreciation of how much I had and how little my pain actually was in comparison to these kids Right. Oh my goodness. I really love that. Um, my husband and I have always talked about going on a trip like that, where you do some service work, um, you know, with uh, going on a trip somewhere, but doing service work. So I really love that you did that. So you have to share a little bit with me later about where you did that. That's kind of cool. So I want to know though, now you've, you've had this experience, you, you realize life is good. And you started doing some things that really started changing your life. So you said you did Reiki coaching. Um, what were some of the other things? Because now you have your own business again and you're, tell us. Yeah. What so I sold my first consultancy in, in 2000. Hang on just a second. Sure. My husband has got a shaver going, so hang on just a second. I was just saying that, uh, so in um, 2010, I finally sold a consultancy that I had owned and run for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, that gave me, shall I say, I had 11 staff at the time. And given the crisis, given the financial crisis that we were going through and the debt that I had taken on, I needed to sell the organization to be able to make good all the payments. And I didn't want to fire any of the staff that I had. I couldn't have, I didn't want to let them go. Mm -hmm. So I sold to, I sold to Franklin Covey as an organization. Um, and um, they kept my staff. I made good all my debts and by July of 2010, I was zero, zero, free. Wow, good for you, yes. that's wonderful. You know, um, and then I started another consultancy, but I wanted to work with organizations on values and actually living their vision, mission and values in alignment rather than them being posters on walls. So we'd always talked about it, but you know, when you run an organization and you have staff with you, then I, I, I at that time felt that I didn't have the ability to pick and choose my projects. But now that I didn't have that kind of responsibility, I didn't want to just tick boxes, but I wanted to pick and choose and actually make a difference in the projects that I worked on. Mm -hmm. So I started working with mergers and acquisitions and leadership 
of organizations so that they would implement their values, have decision-making in the organizations based on their value systems and not just, you know, money and bottom line driven. Love that. I really love that. So now you, you've got, what is your business that you, you call it now? What is it called? So now my business is called Design You. Okay, so that's not that business. That's no. your, okay, I didn't think so, but <laughs> I, I thought, okay, maybe I'm just missing it. All right, so um, so you went from that business. Did you sell that one too? No, I just closed it um, because I I also, during that time, there, I was there was so much internal processing and work going on. Um, and I stumbled across something known as the Enneagram back in 2013. Uh, and I certified in, in the Enneagram uh, and became an Enneagram practitioner, applying it to leadership and organizations. And it wow. was that that really started, got me thinking on vulnerabilities and people's defense mechanisms and their triggers and how they respond to things. Um, I had thought that I had recovered from all my abuse, but really the Enneagram showed me that what I had considered as recovered and that I had survived was really tip of the iceberg. There was so much more work to be done. And I carved out a path. I enrolled in, a, in my PhD for human development and uh, value-based organizations with uh, a fielding graduate university. Um, I got married, I had another baby, and I was still processing all of this uh, till I finally realized in 2008, uh, 17, that I didn't want to be with corporates and I didn't want to do any of that work, you know, whilst it might have been the only thing that I had known, and it had become a part of my identity. And that's what Tripta was known for, for all those years. Mm -hmm. But that was an identity that I took on because of that relationship. Because of the relationship you were in before. before so you needed that control. You felt like you needed to control something. So That's to let right. go of that so probably go felt that. a little vulnerable. Let go of that, uh, changed countries, moved to Canada, moved That's to a small village called White as opposed to the glamorous city of Dubai, went from plus 50 to minus 40 in temperature. And <laughs> <laughs> That's a big change in itself. And, yeah, and I helped my husband set up Dwight Riverside Inn, which is a small inn, but my heart was always on working with people and helping them recover, helping them be a better version of themselves. So I started doing online coaching for helping using the Enneagram and getting people to be better versions of themselves. But it was still not gratifying enough for me uh, till I actually worked with my mentor to say, there's something missing here. There's something that my heart's not in it. And I'm not sure what that is. Chipping away at that, I have settled on that I only wanna work with survivors of narcissistic abuse because there is so much more to just surviving. There's so much more that goes into learning how to thrive after a relationship like that. I survived for eight years, but I've only started thriving, I would say in the last year and a bit. Mm. 
and it's taken me whilst I might have recovered eight plus years it took eight plus years to do that wow. that recovery is not it it doesn't give you that sense of happiness it's it's a lot better than where it was mm-hmm. but to actually live in without expectations to live in peace and joy with yeah. ease I, I just love your story. I love that you were able to work through that and find you is what you just did. And now you're thriving because you're who you really are. You're doing what you want to do and what you love. Absolutely. So beautiful, beautiful. So you had a coach, it sounded like, that was kind of helping you kind of work through those things. And you decided you want to work with narcissists, which women that deal with narcissists. And I totally think that is wonderful that you are just kind of focusing on that area because that's what you know that's what you understand it's what you're really knowledgeable on so I know you have some tools and some things that you've used and that you also have to kind of share with our listeners today can you tell us a little bit about that Um, For sure. So a lot of processes that helped me. um, So there's Marshall Goldsmith. uh, His book, Mojo, really helped structure my, helped me put my own identity into perspective. And I've worked with Marshall uh, a fair amount as well. We had the same mentor, Dr. Paul Hersey. So uh, yeah, we had the, I had the good fortune of of being a mentee of uh, Dr. Paul Hersey, which was awesome. So I awesome. used a lot of, uh, you know, Marshall's uh, uh, inputs from his book, Mojo. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I'm a huge fan of Brené Brown and her Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, her, all her research on vulnerability, shame, resilience, you know, uh, that's been a great help for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, value-based leadership turned into value-based decision-making for yourself, that I picked up during my my journey of PhD, which I didn't complete. So I got I stopped at my master's in 2018 when I, you know, had finally decided that I was changing course and I was not going after organizations. So I'm like, yeah, let me leave this aside for now, uh, since that's focused on organizations, and I'll come back to it when I'm ready. So left that aside, and also I've been. Um, I'd done my certification in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. So then I met a, a, a very interesting Australian individual by the name of Dick Harbour, who's developed a process of quantum healing, which is based on NLP. Mm. And that is magic. His name's Dick Harbour? Dick Harbour. Mm-hmm. Um, a very nondescript gentleman in his seventies. He lives in the Philippines at the moment and he runs group coaching and one-on-one coaching on quantum healing. And he, his process is phenomenal. So one of the things when, you know, when you were talking about why did it take me 16 years to break that relationship? If I had known quantum healing 20 years ago or any time in those 16 years, I would have snapped that relationship like that. Mm. 
and today I, I feel so thankful that I've had exposure to this tool that I can actually now recommend to anybody who works with me to say, you must get this. It is a source of alignment, 110%. And it works so subtly, but so amazingly, just in the background and, you know, in your life, the energy systems that in your own inner resources how they they come out and actually help you live happily and in harmony and in peace with yourself how they actually make you feel so completely whole and complete mm. so that's a tool that i also use mm -hmm. uh, uh, as a part of the group coaching process so design you incorporates the enneagram it incorporates discovering your identity. It helps you identify your values and then your vulnerabilities. How, what are your triggers? What, what is your defense mechanism? So using the Enneagram to identify those aspects and kind of all bring it into one package so that you learn to set your boundaries, to maintain your self-respect, to maintain your self-worth. And the quantum healing just allows you to do it with absolute ease. Mm. so you've taken all of these different tools all of these these different skills that you've kind of learned along the way and you've kind of pulled them together and kind of collaborated and brought something that is your own yeah I love that I love that so um what is this system that you have this coaching program that you have is is there a name for it what do you how do people find you I call the program design you because that's effectively what you're doing. You're designing yourself, you're designing your life, you're designing the kind of life that you wanna have and you're designing your legacy, the legacy that you want people to remember you for. Mm -hmm. So Design You is the name of the program. Uh, it's a six week online group coaching course where you have your own work that you do, but then you have two weekly calls, uh, uh, two hours each, one on quantum healing and the second one to actually go through the content that you're working on, answer questions, take it forward, share it amongst a group. Um, and by the end of it, by the end of that six week process, you have a clear roadmap and you have your boundaries that you have decided are going to be your boundaries. You've started learning how to practice putting them in place as well. So, so these sessions that you have with people, are those individual sessions or those groups? So design you as a group coaching program, and it's a, it is a group coaching program. Mm -hmm. It's also designed such so that people can learn from each other and share experiences. So as a, as a, as a person surviving abuse, connectivity with like-minded people and sharing and validation of, of situations is so important that a group coaching session, much as somebody would think that's really private, but this is so healing where you're sharing those experiences where people recognize and understand exactly what you've gone through, all the gaslighting that you've actually been through. It is rejuvenating and it is extremely supportive. So developing the map of your journey going forward mm -hmm. is what the group coaching program actually gives you. It shows you your path. You put all those pieces together. You know, you take ideas from other people as well. You take the support from other people as well. And the biggest thing is you get the validation that you so need to feel 
before you can take off again, before you can spread your wings and fly. So that's a group coaching program. But of course, there are mistakes that people make. You know, it's like anything that you learn for the first time in your life. You are, you're going to try, you might succeed, you might fall. If you fall, you need to be able to pick yourself back up again and try it again, right? Till you one day get that balance. That balance will come, but it takes time. And for that, for those who want that support, I do do one-on-one coaching as well. And I call that a live you program. So you've designed yourself. Now you've got to start living it. And that's phase two. That sounds wonderful as well. Well, this trip, Tripta, thank you. (laughs) Tripta, I love that name, actually. That's such a cute name. So Tripta, um, you also have a freebie for my listeners as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it sounded kind of exciting. Absolutely. Um, So the first step to anything that you want to change in your life depends on your mindset. Mm -hmm. So what I have actually done is I have selected uh, uh, six different types of mindsets that you actually need to design your life all over again. Um, And this freebie, it's basically your mindset masterclass. It allows you to rate yourself as to where you are in those six mindsets. It questions you so that you can find answers in seeing as to how you can increase that rating as you go through the development process for yourself. It also includes a activity tracker, a habit maker, if you wanna call it. So if you've decided on, let's say you say that, okay, I'm gonna meditate every morning. Fabulous. You wanna meditate, you put it down, it, sh- it allows you to identify what you wanna do, when you wanna do it, how do you want to do it? Who's going to support you through the process and making sure you're on track? And what are the changes that you're noticing by putting these things in place? Mm. We go through life so often not actually paying attention to the change, the small, small changes that are happening. So I actually encourage people in what I call a habit tracker or a habit making tracker. It's not just about doing an activity, but also doing it and seeing how is it benefiting you? Is it going down as planned as you had planned or thought that you should be doing it? Or is it not? What do you need to change in it? So I love that you evaluate that at the end. That's, that's a really good tool to evaluate how is it working? What is it doing? So wonderful. So this tool that you have will help them kind of get like started on the pathway to kind of finding out who they are. Totally. I call it the mindset masterclass. So you can, they can find it on my website. Uh, it's a free masterclass. They can just go in, sign up and start with it. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure we have it in the show notes. One more last question is what I want to ask you is what I always ask all my guests. What is the one thing that really made the biggest transition for you to be able to get out of that situation and, and start thriving again? That I was worth more. Mm, Just knowing that you were worth more. You come to a point where you know that you're worth more. And I was worth more. I should have acted sooner. We give in to our shame and our vulnerability oh so often. Um, And I wish I hadn't. 
I wish we were never conditioned in our cultures and our environments to say, oh, don't cry, or a girl is supposed to do this, or a guy is supposed to be like this, these supposed tos and should be's and mm-hmm. no. We're born vulnerable, we're meant to remain vulnerable. Mm-hmm. In our vulnerability lies our authenticity. In our vulnerability, if you embrace your vulnerability, no one will ever be able to manipulate you because we get manipulated on our vulnerabilities that we want to hide. I, I love that. So just being able to just know that you are worth more and stepping out and doing something for you. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Tripta, for being here today, for sharing your amazing story. I just really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you want to share with my listeners today before we end your... There's one thing I would share. Narcissism is rampant. Narcissism has a horrible impact on its victims. They're not necessarily deliberate in their, in their doing. They're painted as monsters, but it does have a horrible impact. When somebody tells you about a narcissistic experience, believe it, because narcissists are the biggest manipulators that you can find. Mm-hmm. And so their true. victims are just, it's devastating to be there. And I think that's why sometimes people stay so long too, because they do manipulate you to feel like it's it's all you. So anyway, I don't want to get into that too much because, you know, that's a whole nother story. But um, I really, Tripta, I think you're doing amazing things for these women and I commend you for that. Thank you so much for being on the show today, sharing your story, sharing how you were able to get out of that and then go from just surviving to thriving. I really love that. Thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Donna. You're welcome. Thank you. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon and this is Power to Grow. Thank you.